let's open to uh, the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 2, and I'm going to read uh, verse 9. It says like that, But as it is written, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love Him. Generally, a lot of people understand this verse that is talking about uh, the, our, our future in heaven. What, uh, and I've heard that interpretation many times. People think it's uh, talking about or trying to describe uh, our future inheritance in heaven. But actually, this is not the context of this, uh, of this verse. Actually, um, Paul here is talking about the wisdom of God and how he revealed the wisdom for a, a true spiritual life to people and how a lot of people don't understand, don't grasp what God is intending us to live and to, and to experience. Another verse uh, that is like this is in uh, Jeremiah, and I'll read for, uh, for you. Jeremiah chapter 64 verse 4 another verse is like the Old Testament version of this verse it says like this for of old no one has heard or perceived by the by the ear no eye has seen a God besides you who acts for those who wait for him they could boast, the, the Israelite could boast that they had such a God that nobody else had. A God that would act for the people that trust in Him. That would wait for an answer from God. So, he's describing, Paul is describing here a way of understanding uh, the living in the life with God. The spiritual life. God is intending a different way of living and uh, then normal people and it's not perceived by all people and it's not uh, he's talking about the secret wisdom of God of living with God now that kind of living and that desire to attain that living with God made Paul say at one time I forsake everything that I have for the purpose of knowing God it persuaded a person that found the pearl, if you remember the if you remember the parable of Christ, a person that found the precious pearl and persuaded him to sell everything he had to buy that field and to have that pearl. It's so precious that and so um, so wise and so unexpected that there is a verse in the Bible that says uh, about the angels. They are curious to understand the mysteries that God is doing in our in in our times. It's surprising to them. Um, but when we talk about this lifestyle of uh, a different lifestyle of living with God, Paul says that there are three kinds of people, uh, the, and the way we're different. Uh, these people are separated in three categories. Uh, by the way they understand God's will. And he talks about a natural man, a carnal Christian, and a spiritual Christian. 
uh, and he goes on and explains about uh, how they are how they relate to God and I'm going to talk about these three categories of people how do we and I would like us to meditate and to figure out what kind of person am I am I a natural am I a carnal or am I a spiritual and uh, I will read from uh, verse 14 it says like that the natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God for they are folly to him and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned then he goes on and says the spiritual person judges all things but he but he is himself to be judged by no one for what for who has understood the mind of God so as to instruct him but we have the mind of Christ but he goes on in verse in chapter 3 but i brothers could not address you as spiritual people but as people of the flesh as infants in Christ i feed i fed you with milk not with solid food for you were not ready for it and even now you are not yet ready for you are still of the flesh for while there is jealousy and strife among you are you are are you not of the flesh and uh, behaving only in a human way? He's talking about three uh, types of people. The natural man, uh, the flesh, the people of the flesh, and the spiritual man. And I want to understand and talk about these three types of people and understand which are you from and what do you have to do. Now, this natural person that talks about here is the person that is not saved. It's not a Christian. And for him, all that God has to say doesn't make sense. Paul says here that uh, in uh, chapter 1, verse 18, says that the word of the cross is folly for those who are perishing. It's foolish to, pre- to, to think that you can be saved through a person dying on the cross it's fully. It's it's uh, it madness. That's uh, the word used in Romanian version. It's madness. They cannot understand. It doesn't make sense. It's not logic. And he will not understand the things of the spirit. He does not understand them. He will not accept them. He will not accept them. He might understand the words. It doesn't mean that it's a person uh, that doesn't understand, doesn't have uh, the capacity of understanding. He understands the words, but they don't make sense for his life. He can't experience them. And it doesn't change him in one bit, because he doesn't accept them. Um, Romans 8, 9 says that this person does not have the Spirit of God. He's not of of God. No matter if he's a church member, doesn't matter whatever statue he has in the church... He does not belong to God. Um, he might not. He might know many things about God. He might even know many things about the Bible. And from the Bible, he might be able to quote from the Bible. He might have grown up in a in a church, a good church, but he's not of God. I uh, I was grown up, and I came to the understanding that some people that um, claim to be theologians uh, theologists. Uh, theologians that know about and preach about God, they're not saved. They're 
very wrong, they have very wrong message about God. Uh, and we, when we were in the Bible study, we read about a group that they call themselves uh, experts in, in, the, in the Bible, and they deny Jesus' words. They call themselves the Institute of, uh, of Jesus. And, but they're very far off from the truth. In the eastern side of Europe, where I grew up in the, in the communist countries, you would have had leaders in the church, in the Baptist or in the Pentecostal church, and they were preachers and looked high up uh, and believed or, or followed by many people, but they were uh, informers for the security, for the... Uh, secret service of, of the country and they were in that position they were held in that position because they were collaborate with the uh, with, uh, communist authorities and it came up it came up after the revolution it came to light that a lot of people had strong connection with the police uh, uh, to inform of you know, Christians activities now there can be other cases not as dramatic it could be a case of a person growing up as a as a, a child or a teenager in the church, and it can be very sad that sometimes that person has heard so much about Christ, has so much has heard so much about the, in the Bible, that he came to a conclusion that even though he never received Christ, he never trusted him personally. Somehow he won't go to hell. Somehow there would be another way. That was my story before I was 15. And that was my story because uh, I tried to convince myself that I was of God. That I wouldn't go to hell. I was of God because somehow uh, the, the faith of my parents would be good enough for me. Or the, my own strivings would be good enough. Or my own uh, uh, experiences... I wasn't as bad as all the other friends would be good enough. And I only came later on to, the real, uh, to realize that I'm as guilty as everybody else. And I shouldn't try to fool myself. Because sometimes, maybe I would grow up believing the lies I told to myself. I don't want to be fooled. I want to acknowledge, and I came to, um, to acknowledgement that I'm a, I'm a sinner and I need a savior. And that's the step that the natural man needs to take. He needs to acknowledge, recognize that he's a failure. That no, ma- no matter how good he is or bad he is, he's a failure. He will go to hell. He will be condemned because of his sins, even though they're small or big. Uh, and he needs to trust Jesus, the Son of God, that died to forgive his sin. And every natural man, we're born natural, we're born as everybody else, and we need to trust uh, the Savior to become, to become a Christian. But now, Paul is going on and he says that Christians are, are two kinds. One is the, as he says here, a man of the flesh, a people of the flesh, or the spiritual man. And uh, the, spiritual, the man of the flesh, or the carnal man, as I called him, is the first state of a Christian, is a baby in Christ or a child in Christ and every Christian has gone to that state to be a baby in Christ he has received the spirit of God 
he has become a Christian, he's a new creation, he starts, but he's now starting to perceive God's wisdom, to understand it more. And now he uh, needs to be growing in Christ. In Hebrews, the author of Hebrews, now we believe is Paul, he's talking about the same thing and it says like that. He puts it like that in chapter 5, says, About this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you, again, in the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their uh, have uh, their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish g- good from evil. He says here, he basically says that by this time, these new Christians should have g- grown up to become mature. But the reality is that they have stopped. At some point, they have stopped growing. And though they should have known much more, uh, they cannot be taught that because they cannot understand them. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't change them. Even they, if they hear, it might appeal to their intellect, but won't change their heart because it's far way above them. These things of uh, God need to be understood in the Spirit. And he's then saying, he has a list in, verse, in chapter 5, in chapter 6, of things that are of, of the beginnings in Christ. And he mentions there... Uh, um, baptism and laying hands and and some other stuff and we read that list and we understand that that's from the beginning uh, the, those are the basic principle of Christian people but a lot of these th- a lot of these things have separated churches there are many debates about baptism for example there not every Christian understands them the same and they're the basic things are not understood by a grand majority of the Christians. Um, he's concluding here, and we, if we look at First uh, Corinthians and Hebrews, we conclude that a big majority of the Christians actually are immature Christians. A lot of uh, majority, a big uh, quantity of Christians from churches are actually child babies in Christ. If we would see a baby that is six months old and uh, doesn't eat alone, needs help to eat, uh, cannot walk, and uh, doesn't have skills to talk, we would say it's a beautiful baby, a normal baby. But if in two years' time he's at the same state and he cannot eat, he cannot walk, and he cannot speak, we conclude that something is wrong with this baby. And he needs to be diagnosed and treated because he's suffering of illness. It's not normal to be at the same state. It was normal for us to be babies in Christ and to understand partially and to not know everything. But after two, three, five, ten years, it's not normal to be at the same state. The carnal or the man of flesh is primarily struggling with the flesh in itself 
in him. In Romans 7:16, he discovers that he has a struggle in his in his life. The flesh and the spirit are struggling for control in his life, and many times the control is uh, gained by the flesh. That means the carnal man is usually not victorious over sin. He's struggling with sin and usually not victorious. And we're not necessarily talking about great outrageous sins, but we're talking about th- uh, sins that are embedded in our flesh, in our human nature, like strife, like pride, like um, anger, uh, like lust, and every other thing that maybe doesn't make a whole scandal in our lives, but they're, they're in here, they're here, and they make part of our, our human nature, they're part, and we do not have victory over those. Another characteristic of this, uh, the carnal man is that he doesn't walk by the Spirit. He doesn't know what is being to be led by the Spirit. He doesn't experience um, a day-to-day life uh, of fellowship with God, of God speaking back to him. He may try to speak, he may try to change, he may try to be happy, but he doesn't see the Holy Spirit uh, fruit in his life. Because he is not spiritual. He's not led by the Spirit. He doesn't live a life of transformation, a supernatural um, guidance and transformation of the Spirit in his life. He basically, he's a Christian, but he walks and he lives through his own powers. And Paul is very, is very clear that God didn't intend that for us. He didn't intend only that for us. He didn't intend only to be saved and to walk with the same means and with the same mind and with the same heart that we had before becoming a Christian. He said here that he intended a life that cannot be expressed in words, that cannot be understood by people. He expressed of God's intervention in my life. God living here and being seen outward. And he talks about the spiritual man. And he describes the spiritual man as one that you can see the fruit of the Spirit. Now, I'm humbled when I hear about stories like uh, Richard Wurmbrand that passed a lifetime in prison or or, uh, many years in prison and being tortured because of Christ and not being bitter and talking about loving the ones that persecute you. And talk about uh, having uh, faith in God. Even though you're in a dungeon and you're not allowed to see anybody and you're mocked and you're beaten and, and you're, uh, you're tortured in ways that cannot be described. And still, not losing your mind, not losing your faith, but more, loving. And be able to preach the gospel to the one that has been torturing you. That is not... It cannot be explained. It cannot be explained uh, through, and it cannot be understood by human nature. It cannot be. Uh, it cannot be uh, mined or acted out by normal people. That is only the spirit working in me and in you. Um, he says here that a spiritual man can understand the guidance of God. The spiritual man, the spiritual man can 
sometimes hear God. Roger said about the audible voice, sometimes we don't necessarily hear words, but we know that God is leading us in one direction. You know, and that is very important in life because you could take that path or that path or that path and they all seem good and you don't know the outcome. And you need someone else that is above you that knows the future and say, take that one because that has the best outcome. That has the outcome that I intend you. And you need that. We need that guidance. And we cannot have that wisdom just by ourselves. We cannot. It's not possible. The spiritual man says here, he cannot be judged because he's led by the Spirit of God. Sometimes we say about that missionary, maybe you have heard that case of a, um, a young man that went to preach on an island, inhabited by um, wild people that have no contact with the exterior world. And everybody is condemning, why have you gone there? Because they have killed you right on the spot. You should not go there, try to reach out to those people because you're going to give them diseases. And There are many logics to, to, to the case. But what if that man was led by the Spirit? Maybe he went there and he did something that we cannot explain, we cannot understand because God commanded him. And we cannot judge with human terms when God is leading you. So was the case of Paul. A lot of people, a lot of Christians would have said, Paul, you should not go to Jerusalem. You're going to be killed there. It's wise for you to stay back. And he says, no. God has said, I need to go. And I need to go. And you cannot stop me because God has led me there. You know, this kind of life is available, Paul says, for every Christian. We should all experience that. But something happens that sometimes we're stopped, we're hindered. We become babies in Christ. We're all fired up with the new things and the salvation we have. And we, dis- and we, try to st- we struggle in the, uh, exp- our Christian life. But sometimes we stop. We stop there. And we start to fake Christian life with our own powers. Try to imitate other Christians that are happy, that are loving, that are victorious. We try to imitate because... We don't know any better. We don't experience the Spirit living in us. And that's not what God intended for us. God intended a true Christian life, the the Spirit of God transforming and changing and making something that is unrecognizable and is not explainable by human power. That doesn't mean that we're going to make miracles or healings. No. No. That means that God is going to transform you and change you and use you in a manner that is not explainable only by your powers. Um, how do we, what do we have to do to be transformed from a carnal state to a spiritual state? Now, if you talk, if we think of the natural man, you have to take a very drastic decision to become a Christian, right? You have to acknowledge there are your failure, that you're a sinner and you need a Savior, and you have to accept by faith, you need to accept the Savior, Jesus Christ. If you want to change from the carnal state to spiritual man, as well, you need to accept, you need to acknowledge, we need to acknowledge that we are only, we're but carnal, we're not spiritual yet, and we need a transformation, and we need God's intervenience, and we have, we don't have to fool ourselves anymore, we have to stop 
thinking that we're better than we are. We have to acknowledge and diagnose our heart and see what state am I? In what state am I? I'm carnal? I shouldn't be ashamed to acknowledge that before God. God, this is me. I'm carnal. I'm struggling with that sin and that sin and that sin. And He's been conquering me all over again and every time. And in that, I don't have victory. God, I, I don't have your guidance. I try to make my own decisions. I have all the reasons, but I don't hear or don't feel or don't see God's guidance in my life through the, uh, through the Scriptures. I don't. Because I'm but carnal. I'm just carnal. And I want a change. Now, the second thing would be to be informed. We have to be informed. We have to acknowledge. We have to know that there is a better way. It's not just that. The church is not to be filled with people that mind Christian life. No. This is not the way God intended. For us to strive to be all happy, all smiley, even though that we're not. No. God wants us to be changed. To have peace. To have love. Even though the circumstances are against. This is, has to be a true life experience for every one of us. And there is a better way. And that is to be spiritual. The third thing would be to believe God can do it in your life too. He has done it in others. He has done it in, in Paul's life. He has done it in, in the Apostles' life. He has done it maybe in some uh, Christians that we admire, we know personally, and we admire and we say, how is it possible? I, I'm never going to be like that. No, God can do the same thing in your life and in my life. He can transform you and me, and He can use you and me. The fourth thing says in Romans 12, 2, and I'm going to read that verse, and it's a well-known verse. It says like that, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you might discern that is what is the will of God what is good and acceptable and perfect and in the first verse in the in first verse says you present to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy acceptable to God which is your spiritual worship to present your bodies as a living sacrifice and to be transformed uh, from the way we, we thought, the way we uh, acted before, we have to be transformed. And not to be like the world anymore. When I grew up going to into Word of Life camps, and in Word of Life camps, there was a special night. It was the fire camp night. And... Uh, there was uh, this fire camp was used as a special illustration and a special message for dedication. And the call would be come up here in front in the fire camp and take a stick that would symbolize your life and take it and throw it in the fire. Meaning that all was what what it was my background and my and my sinful life I leave behind me. I now want I want to give it up. I don't want to give it up for God. And all that I desire for the future, I want to give up as well. 
Because I want God to give me a new future. And I want God to uh, lead me in the future. So, by this stick symbolized my life that I, got, I give on to God. That was called dedication night. And uh, that was a night that was very special to me at one point, and then further on too. Uh, and I took some important decisions in that type of night. I think that's what we need if we want to live a spiritual life. When you want to live a spiritual life, you, it's going to cost. It's going to cost giving up. That's the price. It in, in, means giving up everything. means giving up your past. Maybe it's pleasures. Maybe it's sin. Maybe it's some other things that you hold dear to. Maybe it's not as bad as sin. Maybe it's just something that you are not willing to give up, even though God would want you to. Maybe it could be a job, a career, or a prospect of something. Uh, God wants you to give up. And that's going to cost. That's going to hurt sometimes. But once God wants you to give up. As I said before, that man found a precious pearl that symbolizes the spiritual life, the life of God. And when he found it, and he discovered it's possible to have it, he said, I'm going to go sell everything because I want to purchase that one. I want to give, us, I want to give up everything to purchase this. Paul, when he realized that he met Jesus Christ, the Son of God, he bowed down and he said, what do you want me to do? He gave everything up. He was a Jew. He had the prospects of being a leader Jew. He, uh, and he was a Roman citizen. And he had high prospects in, in, the, in that system, in world system. He couldn't become uh, a governor maybe or a, an important figure uh, in, in that time period. But he gave it all up and he became uh, a street evangelist. And he became persecuted, and he became a prisoner, and he became a martyr for the only motive to get that pearl in his life, to have that, to know Christ. And uh, I think we have to take that decision as well. We took a decision to become Christian. It was a radical change probably. Well, we have to take another radical, uh, radical decision to give up the state of mind the worldly mind, and to give up everything to surrender to God. And not just once, but we have to take that decision once, and again next day, and again next day, and become a way of life. And then, God has the freedom um, to lead you with the Spirit. Then God has the freedom to fill you with the Spirit. It doesn't mean like us... Uh, 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 being born again uh, uh, once more but it means that the spirit that is in you is going to be seen outward and people are going to see God in you and in me and they're going to say you're, think you're thinking differently you're living differently you seem like you have a life that is out of this world and it is we don't make miracles we don't have necessarily some a fantastic way of expressing ourselves. But we do have God's Spirit flowing in our life and it's seen. It is possible for everybody and I think it's God's intention for us to be spiritual. And it's worthwhile investigating and becoming spiritual people.
And thank you so much for that. What a brilliant challenge. I sat here challenging my own heart as I thought about there's areas in my own life where I can't tell whether I'm a carnal man or a spiritual man. There's areas that I, I'm moving on. But don't be discouraged by that because just like you be, we become a baby Christian, you can be a spiritual man when you're a spiritual person when you're striving for spirituality. Dan, that was a brilliant message. Challenged my heart, convicted me. Let me challenge you to take those thoughts with you guys. Where are you on that spectrum? You might be here today, and you might you might still be that natural man who doesn't have a clue what Dan's talking about here. If that's the case, you need Christ. Maybe you're struggling with certain sins. Maybe you feel like you never get the victory. I love the fact that you use Romans 12, 1 and 2. Um, and to, to uh, submit you, therefore, brethren, I beseech, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, that you submit your bodies as a living sacrifice. And that's the step to move on. We just say, Lord... Here it is. That's what the dedication campfires you were talking about. When you say, Lord, it's me. I'm not much, but you've got me. And then we begin to grow. Tremendous challenge. Dan, thank you so much for that challenge. Let's stand together and, and finish.